Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Maxim from SMS Power. How's it going, man? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. So uh, this is one of the many times where we've been talking for years now, and this is the first time we've ever actually spoken and seen each other. And, you know, after like eight or nine years of, of uh, you know, of working on SMS Power with you. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. Um, I, I just thought you were some guy in the forums, but it turns out you got this whole YouTube channel. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's actually why I started the YouTube channel is because when retro RGB started to get popular, people just assumed it was like a Wikipedia style, you know, combination of, of people all just kind of putting info in. And as a result, a lot of people ended up just copying, pasting my work, thinking like not looking at it like they're stealing, looking at it like, oh, it's like Wikipedia. So I was like, man, I got to stop this. So that's actually one of the main reasons why I started a YouTube channel is to politely remind everybody that up until the other writers jumped in and, and have been doing an amazing job, it was pretty much just me for for like seven years. So I was like, well, might as well introduce myself to people. And, and that's kind of what got me started with the interviews is I wanted to introduce uh, all of the other amazing people I've worked with to the rest of the world. And I think I've been nagging you slowly over the past couple of years to do this. So thanks for finding the time. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's all good now. I, I had a young child when you started asking, but he's not so young anymore, so I can actually get a bit of peace. Totally and completely understandable. So uh, so SMS Power is obviously the central spot for anybody that wants info on the Sega Master System or Game Gear. And it's also one of the, it is like the least toxic forum I've ever been on. Like nothing's ever perfect, but that says a lot. So um, I, I guess, would you just give us a little insight into when it started and, and kind of the origin story? Because I kind of always remember it being around in my adult years. I don't ever actually remember the, the first time I saw it. It's been that long. Yeah. So the, the site, we, we used to have on our banner the, the the start date which started in 1997 which is like prehistoric times practically mm. um it it was a there's, a there's another guy called omar mm -hmm. or he's he goes by the nickname bok these days um and he started off this um emulation sort of related site it started off really just being a, like a, a rom site because in those days we were still we still had hundreds of games that were undumped. Uh, and that was called SMS Camp. And then that kind of pivoted into a site called Emu Camp that you may remember from the old days. That's an old emulation news site. Uh, and then we, and then it kind of reforked off back to the Master System specific bit for SMS Power. Uh, and I, I kind of got in around then. It was the site Omar was running. He was He's the, the author of Mecha, which is... Uh, an old 
but good emulator. Um, it's still kind of up to date, but not very actively worked on anymore. Um, and I kind of got in there. Uh, I'm right. I donated what's probably like thousands of pounds worth of games now to to get a license for Mecca. It was the, the good old days. I posted games to him in in France and and got got my license. And I just really got into just all the master system emulation stuff, and I've been hanging around the forums. Uh, then, but one day he decided to to trick me. He 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 organised a com uh, a coding competition, and I'd never coded, I'd never written anything for the master system. And then he 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 told me later that he 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 started the competition up just to trick me into learning to do it. <laughs> and I've I and I've been stuck ever since. I've I've totally caught the bug, and yeah, I mean I'm still doing projects to this day maybe not releasing as much stuff as i'd like um to be honest i'm not the most creative person so i'm not very good at making new original stuff but i love hacking on stuff making editors making translations reverse engineering things uh, it's it's really it's really cool it's just it's it's just like taking stuff apart to see how it works except it's never ending and and it's just awesome the whole way yeah, yeah, you uh, both you and Omar have been part of huge projects and over the whole scope and uh, I think you know to to jump ahead a little bit the project I just saw you relaunch was the Sonic level editor. So uh is that what it's called? Uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog for the Master System editor software, right? Yeah, it hasn't got a good name yet. I was looking for a good name if I was going to rebrand it because it it came from another guy uh who goes by the nick of warranty voider so he just names everything and there's some kind of acronym with uh wv at the end but since i'm i've kind of rewritten the whole thing i thought i should give it a bit of name but i haven't thought of one yet um because obviously there's a lot of sonic editors for the genesis around and i need to be i want to avoid treading on their toes um but yeah it's at the moment it's just the sonic one master system editor so i um i saw that pop up a couple of weeks ago and I I have such tremendous respect for all software programming sides of things, but I am useless when it comes to discussing it. Like I get the I get the concepts, but I, I'm not even close to an expert. So I actually asked Nicole if she wouldn't mind jumping in and writing a post about that because I wanted to promote your work. But I was like, there's no way I could do this justice. It would be two paragraphs about Maxim from SMS Power has just relaunched. So like it would be the dumbest thing and Nicole killed it as usual. So I was really happy to promote that because some of those level editor or, or full game editor um, softwares have ended in really awesome games. Like you wouldn't even really notice they were the original games sometimes or it feels like a natural sequel uh, that the original developers would have done. So I think sometimes the mainstream hears about a new level editor and they're like, oh, neat. But they don't seem to realize that that's a huge stepping stone until the next thing comes out that they end up loving that they didn't even realize came from that. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of it in the Master System world with the Alex Kidd editor. Alex Kidd is a kind of... Well, like, like every game, I guess it's it's kind of restricted. It can only do what it already does. Although uh, Kalindro works on that, has done some awesome hacking work to make it do extra stuff. And people have made shoot 'em ups in the Alex Kid engine. It's it's ridiculous. Um, but the the ones that are like total conversions, where you've got some really talented musicians and artists, and people making nice level design, not that kind. You said sometimes you get the level editors, you get this kind of 
impossible levels that people make because they're so in the they're so focused on this game they they have to make it almost impossible to make it challenging for themselves and it's kind of impenetrable to everyone else but when you've got people who really got that sense of making a fun level out of a game making it and 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 the the, the amazing art that that people can get out of the master system it it's great i mean it really shows you what can be done and uh you, you kind of wish it was there was more stuff we could do to to make it e- uh, make it even easier for for the people with the the creativity but not the programming skills to get everything they can out of it. Yeah, it's you know I, I love all sides of this. I I just I uh, I hope I do a good enough job highlighting everybody on all sides because you couldn't have you know the, these creative minds that they're great at making games but don't know how to program need the people that are good at programming but might not you know necessarily have the the best level design and you know while well, everybody working together is what really does it it's like being in a band right you know you could be the best guitarist in the world but if you don't have a drummer to back you up you're shit so <laughs> uh it's it's true and it's it's kind of hard to do these days cuz there's there's not it's it's not easy to find the time. Everyone's just doing a kind of a hobby thing. You can't really be pushing people for work. But at the same time, sometimes you realize some of the games in the eighties they were made by two, three people. You know, the programmer did the art, the musician wrote the wrote the sound engine kind of thing. Um they they were multi talented people back then and uh, it it you really appreciate it when you try and do it yourself. Mm. And I mean for for me I'm I'm very good at making uh, basic art and no sound, and that's about as far as I can go. And and I I I've, I I love when other people can can make something so much better. And the, this Sonic Editor project is coming out of a project that we I guess we can mention is uh, it's called Sonic Genesis, which is kind of reskinning the original Sonic, mostly keeping the levels the same in terms of structure. But using as much as possible the art that looks like the Genesis, and the guy who's working on that has done a tremendous job, and he's 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 fitting in all sorts of stuff, and and the game just just it looks like a completely different game, but you remember all the structure from the, from the original, uh, not 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 that the original Master System Sonic is a bad game by any means. I would personally rate it as actually a more fun game than Sonic One on Genesis, hmm. but. The, just just to get that that kind of updated look, and it's it's amazing how the, the feel of the game. It, it, you know, it's it, there's, there's this kind of joy of seeing this thing, kind of updated and you know, a, a fresh coat of paint, and just looking awesome again. Agreed completely, and I was blown away when I first played Sonic for it was Game Gear back in the day because. I just assumed it was going to be like a really watered down version of the Genesis Sonic games. And I didn't realize until I had bought it because, you know, internet wasn't the same back in the nineties like that. You know, I, uh, I didn't realize that it was its own thing and it flowed so well on the game gear. And then fast forward, you know, a couple of years when I started getting back into it, I wanted to play the SMS version. I was like, Oh, it's the game gear version with just more screen space. This is awesome. And I had a, a totally new appreciation for it. Uh, even though I already liked it to begin with. So I, I just, I probably should have started with that. If anybody has not played Sonic 1 or, or, or any of the Sonic games for Master System or Game Gear, the those two versions are almost identical, 
but they're completely unique and different from the Genesis Mega Drive versions, and, and they totally stand on their own. So uh, yeah, it's it's very cool to see how much power you could squeeze out of an SMS without really sacrificing anything. It's not like the developers adding all of these extra artworks and then slowing the game down to a crawl. It seems based on uh, everything I've seen that it's performing nicely. Yeah, absolutely. So um, back to the, to the the origins, I guess. So when do you think SMS power, do you remember about what year it uh, it took on its current form, uh, you know, with the the news, the forums, the wiki, all kind of built into one with the blue background. Because while I do vaguely remember stuff like that from the '90s, because that's kind of how I got my start. I had a, a website in like '95 or '96 for a while. It was all about the latest updates in software emulation, and uh, I only had that for like two or three years. But I don't quite remember the background and the blue thing. Uh, you know, the blue skin back then but i definitely remember that for a while now especially since i started retro rgb so do you remember like when that switched over uh it's it's been a while so originally it was just a kind of a bare bones thing there was that we had lots you know grand plans but nothing ever came of it for building this kind of what we called it the master system museum um but we had a forum and it was the you know, a really really old-fashioned forum i can't remember the name of it now some pearl script monstrosity mm. that was rewriting html files and things like that um and we i remember we 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 migrated to a proper forum software uh kind of around 2000 or so and then we built out the current structure with all the wiki stuff quite a few years after that so i'm going to say about 2008 um I'd been dabbling with the wiki for just the development stuff on the site. And it occurred to me that we could make use of that for everything else. It's, it's, a wiki, it's a wiki used as a, as a content management system. So the people who have spare five minutes here and there to work on the site can just do it from a web browser and, you know, you upload images, type in text, do formatting, that kind of stuff. And it's it's worked out pretty well. the The site sometimes has a, some kind of performance issues because not the best framework to, to work on. But we have no web developers, so we, we take what we can get. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's been like that for quite a while now. Yeah, ten years plus. That's pretty cool. It's it's starting to become retro itself. So I, I would almost say don't change it, just so people get uh, you know the info on the older hardware and you know get to have the classic, more classic style website for it. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe I'm I'm getting old, um, but yeah, this this kind of I, I like that you know you 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 click a link and it downloads some HTML that's got the words in it instead of looking at a spinner and waiting for the page to load. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. There's uh, I, I certainly know all about the nightmares of running websites and, and changing things around. And every time you change one thing, three other things break. So you know if it's good enough, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, we just add, um, one of my other projects, maybe we'll talk about it, is the Fantasy Star retranslation. Hmm. And we just we just added the a, a translation to Catalan. Um, but there's a slight bug on the site. It shows up with the Canadian flag. Um, <laughs> so I haven't quite fixed that one yet. That's funny. So could you talk a little bit about some of the translation work you've done? Because 
you know, one of the one of the hard things, believe it or not, about following people's work and their sites for so long is, I, you know, I'm trying to think of all the things that you've been a part of, and there's so many that it's hard for me to like to grasp. It's, it would almost be easier if I didn't, you know, if I hadn't known you for a while. So feel free to throw down anything that you've been working on. But I definitely want to talk about the translations because I'm so appreciative of people that take the time to do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not big on on the translation scene. There's other people who do a lot more better work than me on that. Not least I don't particularly speak other languages very well. But um, I started kind of working on hacking Fantasy Star a really long time ago. I'm going to say about 2000 2001, and I kind of I got a bit derailed. I was trying. I ended up trying to do a full disassembly of the game, which is absolutely enormous by Master System standards. Um, and I got a reasonable way through that. And I had this idea that I was going to totally disassemble it and then rebuild it as a translation, which would be like the most monumental translation technique. <laughs> um, and then someone else instead did a whole load of work to, to, to do almost all the translation work on it and then kind of handed the project over to me. And I've kept hold of that project ever since. Um, maybe I'm, I'm probably just being a bit too perfectionist about it but we spent a couple of years polishing it off there are a few there are a few things we could have done and and, and just put it out as a rough translation it, it was good enough but i kind of every time i would look at something and it'd be like well that's it's okay i can i can see the words in the right language but yeah, you know, the formatting isn't right. Am I having to make compromises? You know, the item names had to be truncated to fit and all that kind of stuff. And I knew enough about the game and the way its engine worked from all the work I'd done on reverse engineering it and making the disassembly as I went through it to see how I could then hack on that relatively easily to do things like widen dialogue boxes because, you know, the density of text in English compared to Japanese is about half. So you kind of need everything to be twice as big to get as much on the as much information on the screen and to manage the way that the game manages all of the kind of the memory resources as it's throwing up dialogue windows and things like that. It was it was kind of hard work. Um and so I mean the the thing that people got kind of shocked by was then when we we kind of released it and done a couple of bug fixes way back in the mid 2000s and then uh i can't remember a few years ago i kind of came back to it and polished off a whole load of extra stuff i wanted to be done and we got back in i got back in touch with frank who'd done a lot of the localization work uh frank is for the guy from video game preservation foundation is that the right one one of those history foundation yeah that's the one um and because he he's a big fan of the game and he got in on the first time around to do actual kind of editorial localization work rather than just a straight translation to expand on the script and he came around and had another go around on it and then i started doing other stuff with other languages putting it in so i've done a few releases since then and people were like this guy's been working on this translation for like 15 years Uh, to be fair i did have a bit of a break in the middle but yeah, it's 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 not done till it's done. There's always more that can be done. I've I've still got some things I want to do on it if I can find the time and the space. Um, a little bit, 
kind of what got me back onto track with that was I did a bit of translation work also on a on a very unusual game that we released at SMS Power. Uh, it's called uh, Game to Check, um, and it's this super rare Japanese uh, kind of traffic safety education game. For oh, that's children. right. That's right. That's so funny. And and it, it's it's utterly bizarre and has these kind of philosophical passages about road safety um and it was just a really good project i i did it just during the first kind of covid lockdown i had a bunch of time to spend on it and blasted through it and it's really good fun uh it's a it's a ridiculous game kind of easy but fun to play through and it's and it's just it's really charming really that this 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 super rare game exists and we could release the the first dump of it in uh 2020 with a translation on day one it was really good yeah that i remember that that was pretty cool uh that was such a fun and weird <laughs> surprising thing to see um the fantasy star one that you, you've released a version of that recently though right recently meaning being in the past year or two um you know i, I think you said you, you still view it as incomplete but i thought i remember seeing that uh yeah yeah so we I, I did that update not long ago um there are a couple of things that that i felt were worth doing i got a I kind of done a better job of widening some of the dialogue windows so you could get more text on the screen it's a lot easier to read um there's a there's a guy uh called damien g i think who he's, he's got this website with this amazing collection of eight by eight pixel fonts that he's made himself over like 30 years um and he he meant he i i approached him and he made us a custom font for the game which is the the game aesthetic is kind of kind of unusual it's this uh kind of medieval science fiction mashup thing going on and he managed he tried to sort of capture some of that in the font which was really cool um and we we had some extra kind of hacks i put in some menus put in a sound test for the game um and just expand all the dialogue up to to fill the space a lot better um and it, which kind of helps with the additional language translation so we also put out a, an updated french uh translation and a portuguese brazilian translation was brazilian portuguese translation even um and the catalan one we're going to go for a, an official release for that on at the end of december which will be the Fantasy Star thirty uh, fifth anniversary? Oh, geez, wow, that's pretty awesome. I-, I love to see more languages be added, and I know how much how much work goes into this. I'm not cheapening that at all, but I just I like seeing the world become a smaller place. I know that's cheesy to say and everything, but it is it is absolutely how I feel. So, thanks to you and everybody else that's been working on stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, I'm absolutely happy to. To, to get people who want to translate it into some new languages. Uh, I say that. It's really awesome when people do the work. It's all open source. But I always have to do a little bit of work on the engine to support the grammar constructs of some language that I don't know. And then I... That turns out to be really hard work. But, you know, it's 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 good to get there in the end. Mm. So um, what's your history with the master system? Did you have one as a kid and that's how you kind of got into it? Or did you get into it once the emulation steam started really uh, thriving? 
yeah i i it was my first video game as a kid i didn't have a lot of uh, video game consoles growing up so I, I i got into the master system in about 1991 which was around the time the mega drive came out in the uk but that was yeah there's that was load of money so i got i got a master system it was really cool i got a load of games i got hand-me-down games from the family and i just played the hell out of it for years and years um i i, I even i even brought it into my school and and, a, and we had this this tiny 12 inch black and white tv and we would just be playing micro machines on the master system all the time uh it's it's it's, a, it's just a really really awesome time um and then i was kind of stuck with it i didn't get another video game console after that for, for many years i think the, the next um non-portable i got after that was a wii so i hmm. i just stuck with it for a long time uh not not that i i got into emulation in the middle i played loads of other platforms but it's, there's something about your first system that that stays with you yeah totally agreed i um i had a neighbor that was like a natural born salesman and when the Genesis, around the time the Genesis came out, or maybe it was coming on sale or something, he convinced me to buy his Master System. and But he sold it to me for like a super good price and gave me the, the 3D glasses, the adapter, space area, like a bunch of a bunch of stuff with it. So, you know, he half tricked me into buying it, but I absolutely loved it and it was a fair price, so everybody wins. But I, I've been kind of hooked ever since. I distinctly remember hooking up the RF adapter to my grandparents, you know, busted ass old TV and putting on the 3d glasses and playing space Harrier and loving it. <laughs> I still kind of like it to uh, those 3d games. Uh, half of the library are, are excellent. Other half are a little gimmicky, but I just thought that was such a neat experience that, you know, I didn't get anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. And um, I guess shutter glasses and light guns, came on a bunch of systems, but the quality of the games was super variable. I think on the on the light gun front, the master system did pretty well compared with the Nintendo kind of didn't make any good light gun games, really. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it, it's, it's great to have all this stuff. Um, and it, 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 even though it is kind of gimmicky, it's nowhere near the gimmickiness of what you see on more recent generations of playstation moves and things which kind of you know maybe i'm i'm lacking the correct nostalgia for them but they 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 never they didn't quite have that kind of sense of wonder of this this amazing thing that that you could never have done before yeah i mean if you take context in in into play with that so the years they were released what was also released at the time you got the sega 3d glasses which atari had one i, th I think nintendo had one but it was mostly just gimmicky whereas the sega games were a lot of them were excellent outrun space harrier uh missile defense i always love that one and maze hunter or maze walker if you like the japanese version those are all excellent and, and maze hunter even used the depth the 3d depth to add to the game and then you see something like the Wii with its motion controls. Yeah, that's been done before, but they, they did it really well for the time. And then you see PlayStation Move come out, and it's like, well, we already kind of did it better. The games were more focused around it, whereas the PlayStation and the Xbox stuff was more of an afterthought. The Kinect wasn't even really meant for gaming. That was designed for other stuff that they were like, let's build it into the Xbox 360 and, and see what we could do with this. But 
So, so you're right. And if you take those things into context, absolutely agree in that, you know, for the time Sega did a lot of stuff that it did it well, that no one else was really doing at that level. Yeah. I, I, it, it's kind of a consequence though, of the curse of Nintendo that if Sega wanted to get good games for their system, they had to write them themselves or whatever, get second parties to write them. So the Mars system library is very heavy on first and second party games, but they're pretty good games. They've got that, that lack of shovelware, which I think helps a lot. It helps to avoid crowding out, um, the, the possibilities and having, you know, three different incompatible third party guns. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny, like, I'm, I'm glad Sega spent the time making better games, but it would have been nice if they had spent a little bit of time on the covers for the cartridge, or for the cartridge cases, because I always kind of laugh at that. Like, I, the Master System was very scarce in the U.S., and my, my friend that sold it to me came from the West Coast, where it was more popular than the East Coast, where I was always from, and I just remember going into Toyworks was the store that we went to, and all of the NES games with their beautiful artwork. And occasionally I would run into a store with the master system games. And there's just a whole bunch of white checkerboards with, you know, golf, soccer, like <laughs> just, I kind of wish they had a little bit more, uh, you know, paid a little more attention to that as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it got a lot better later in the, in the system's life when it had kind of left the U S uh, the art, there's some really awesome art on some of the later games, but everyone remembers the early so-called clip art covers. Mm. And I can kind of see what they were going for. It's kind of similar to the original Nintendo black boxes. It was stylized. It looked completely different for everyone else's stuff. It was very kind of eighties technology looking. Um, but it, at the same time, it was absolutely ridiculous and terrible. And you wonder who on earth thought that was good enough. Yeah. Well, Sega absolutely ruled the uh, the case, you know, the market from Master System all the way to the end of, all the way up till when they started swapping them out with the cardboard ones. Those were terrible. But those plastic cases, you know, the du act as the dust cover, make it look like you have a library bookshelf of games. Like they, they, I think everybody would universally agree that even with some of the terrible Master System artwork, it was so much cooler just having these awesome games you know, nice and protected, you know, you could see what game it is just by looking at the shelf. And I always kind of thought, especially in the later years, Nintendo really felt short with that because you couldn't stack Super Nintendo games on top of each other. So you couldn't, you know, you'd have to put them uh, you know, straight down and look on top to see which game it was. It wasn't even like the NES where you could stock, stack them sideways or something. So I think Sega ruled yeah. that one. Well, and, you know, we were supposed to look after the cartridges they they always had pages in the manual you know you've got to keep it clean and safe and here's this lovely protective cover yeah the the cardboard boxes were were kind of disposable it was, it it made it look like the the cartridge was the toy and this was just a cheap packaging for a cheap toy the the, the sega boxes it was more like you know this is this is this is like you know buying a a, a movie on vhs it's a big deal yeah yeah well said uh, so you, you mentioned micro machines, but what were your other favorites growing up? Um... Uh, yeah, well, I have to say, micro machines on the Master System it is so much worse than many of the other versions of the game because of limitations, and it was a kind of a quick and dirty 
port from the Nintendo one. But it, at the same time, it is absolute gem in my in my eyes, and I will I will challenge anyone in the world. I will beat you on micro machines because <laughs> no one no one can beat me in micro machines. Um, I just had so many hours of practice. Uh, I would say, I mean, it's got to be Wonder Boy three. It's just an absolute classic game. I should tell everyone to go buy the the remake that Omar did. I love it, um, yeah. Which is you know awesome. Uh, Wonder Boy Wonder Boy two the 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 game that that one followed on from. Um, it was it was quite mind blowing to me because I, I played Wonder Boy three loads and then I got Wonder Boy two, and then when I got to the end of Wonder Boy two, which is actually then the the beginning of Wonder Boy 3 is a replay of the end of Wonder Boy 2 in a kind of introduction way. And just to see that kind of narrative crossover between games. And you, you don't even really get to see that anymore. You don't you didn't get Sonic 3 leading on from the end of Sonic well, it kind of did, he was on the plane, I suppose, but it wasn't it there wasn't quite the same kind of um you know, next chapter of the story thing going on you don't seem to get that very much with games you don't you don't get like a cliffhanger at the end of a game that, that gets resolved in the sequel very often mm, and, yeah. and 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 even though they didn't exactly make a cliffhanger there because you didn't see the the cliffhanger happen at the end of wonder boy 2 it was just really awesome to see that come together anyway that's 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 a, a bit of a digression on why wonder boy is awesome um or at least those those two exact games are awesome all the rest are kind of not in my mind um uh and the 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 disney platformers on master system are really good people Mm. make a lot of noise about things like ducktales on nintendo but castle of illusion it's not the same game as it's not a watered down genesis port it's its own really really well written 8-bit game the donald games are really good the legend of illusion no land of illusion sorry the, the Mickey sequel that hardly anyone had back in the day is a really big um, kind of overworld-based Disney game where you do things like going back to levels that you've already beaten with new new abilities and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's I, I love those platformers. I'm, I'm a sucker for platformers, I, and and the 8-bit generation was a great time to be playing platform games. Agreed. I mean, I, I genuinely think that the reason retro gaming is growing at the level that it has been is because younger people are discovering games like that, realizing that there's not that common uh, or they're not that common at all on the modern platforms. And they say, well, what if I like this style? Where else could I get them? And that's why they're kind of discovering the older stuff that was out long before they were born. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people seem to think that retro gaming is all about nostalgia if that was true, why is it, you know, why is it growing so fast? And the honest truth is just because so many younger people are coming in going, you know, what's a, you know, what's this? Oh, it's a platformer. Well, where could I find those? And then they discover the games that you're talking about. And, you know, a good game is a good game. Exactly like a good song is a good song. Makes no difference when it was written, when it was recorded. If you like it, it's good. Yeah, it's it's true. And there's, there's a lot of great games that, that go back even further. It, think, things get a bit ropey at times with some of the early kind of experimental stuff. People didn't really know what they were doing. But there, there's some real classics in there in the kind of early 80s. And 
yeah, they're they're great games, and and people are remaking them to this day. Um, oh yeah, but, uh, I I was just reading something today about a a Prince of Persia rewrite. Prince of Persia is an awesome game. The Master System version, absolutely brilliant. Um, people people tell me that it's one of the worst ports of Prince of Persia there is, but I absolutely love it. It's a great game, and mind blowing to see it on the Master System. It just looks so. Maybe with the at the time it it was more it was it was shockingly good graphics really and the, this kind of smoothness of animation and the realism and all that kind of stuff and and the Master System one is is a better game than than the Genesis because it, it was just done completely separately and it's it's really awesome but yeah everyone everyone should play Prince of Persia it's a great game i got to go back and try that because I had that for PC growing up and it was, it was fun, you know, typical PC style game. Um, but I don't think I ever really played it too much on consoles because I had the PC version. So, you know, that's a good reminder. I should go back and double check that. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those games where the ports aren't always necessarily, they don't always play the same and, I'm 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 kind of biased. I played the version that I like. The I like the version that I played first, but the the the, the console ones they're a bit more console-y. It's kind of a, a better game to play with a joypad than a keyboard. So yeah, I'm, I I would recommend it. Hmm. Yeah, I remember what was it? Blackthorn was that very similar style of walking around, and that it wasn't a fast-paced game. Uh, you know, you had to time your moves and everything. It it kind of, maybe I'm crazy for thinking this, but when I first played that, it kind of was like, wow, is this like the evolution of the Prince of Persia style games where, you know, you kind of have to pace yourself and go through. But have you ever played that one? No, I don't know Blackthorn. Uh, I think I'm remembering that correctly. If it's the one I'm thinking of, uh, it has an SNES and a 32X version. And when you save, you have codes so you could actually start on one console and pick up on the next. So I remember playing through on both to see which I liked better. And they played very similar. And I, I enjoyed the game. I could never beat it, though. It was, I don't like... Um, I try my best not to cheat on games. And I just... I wasn't good enough to finish it. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'll revisit it someday. But... Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the trick is to play it on emulation. And then tell yourself that safe states aren't cheating. So, you know, I always had such a strong opinion on that, is that play a game any way that you feel like, but save states are totally cheating. And it's like, you know, and the only time that would ever matter is if it's something like a competition. Like, you know, oh, I beat this, I did a no damage run. No, every time you get damage, you walked back to the previous save state and kept playing. That's, That's not a no damage run. So, yeah, you know, I guess there was a big to do on um on social media a year or two ago about that stuff and i just my opinions never changed in that there there isn't a wrong way to play the game but you know beating a game completing a game and then beating it with cheating are three completely different things because i often don't complete games i don't have the patience to get 100 percent on every game but i try to beat everyone that i you know that i really sit and play yeah i mean I, modern games are kind of a lot more calculated it's like to get a hundred percent, you're gonna to have to put a lot of hours in. To get to the ending, or an ending, um, it's it can still be a lot more hours than a game from the eighties or nineties. Mm. Um, but one one principle that I think is 
is increasingly true is that at different times in your life, you've got different amounts of time to spend on that. And Nintendo do this pretty well. They they kind of offer options in the games for holding your hand a bit, letting you get to the end of the game, kind of cheating, um, but you don't have to do it. And so if, if you don't have the time to remember, you know, where, even where you are in the story because you haven't played this game in two months it's great that they can help you to to pick it up but at the same time if you were like like we were when we were younger and you know we we would we could spend two or three hours a day playing the game yeah you can you can master that and you can not not do any of the of the of the hand holding and it's it's good that the games have that and that's that's partly um one of the things that I, I I just remembered we did for the Fantasy Star update was we did put in some things to make the game easier. Um, so you can increase the rates at which you gain experience so you don't have to grind. Because in the end, it's a 1986 JRPG. You've got to do a lot of grinding. And not everyone wants to do a lot of grinding. You know, if if you want to play the game and enjoy it and enjoy the story... Maybe you don't have to. That doesn't have to be um, hit, hidden by gatekeepers who say, "No, no, you've you've got to suffer through." Hmm. You can you can enjoy the game. You can get the story. Um, you know, you can play through games with good stories. You know, no damage or you know no saves kind of way, or you can just abuse saves as much as you like to get through because you're not very good at the game. Or yeah, if you if you play Grand Theft Auto and you keep failing, it'll, they'll let you press a button to skip the mission, so you can continue on the story. Because in the end, you've you've paid a lot of money. You want to get to the end of it, and it's. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it, it, everyone should be happy with the way they play the game. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of what I'm trying to say is I I agree. There's there isn't a right way of doing it, and gatekeeping is dumb. Uh, agreed on all hands. It was funny. I just was playing through Metroid Dread. And, you know, I, I kind of got really sucked into it and I was exploring all the different worlds. And I woke up one day, um, and my, my family was visiting, so we threw in Cruise and Blast to kind of have some fun. I put the game back in and my save was gone. So I must have not gone to a save point. I must have just put the switch in a standby mode. And I went, oh man, I lost one power up that I really needed. And I just looked it up online, and I'm like, all right, it's in this quadrant this year. I'll go back and get that. And I was talking to a friend of mine about that. I was like, yeah, so I definitely cheated. And he was like, that, that's not cheating. You already got the item. I'm like, yeah, but I don't – it feels like cheating, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm happy with it. I still enjoyed the game. It didn't take away from it, but I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like especially if you're talking about, oh, I beat the game in seven hours – did I, though? Because I lost a save where I was probably exploring for an hour, hour and a half, went back and got the item, and then, you know. So, yeah, you're right. Play play your game any way you want. I only just I only get annoyed when people use it as, like... I think that, that whole thing started because some troll told, like, a, a speedrunner, like, oh, that's bullshit. I beat the game faster than you with save states. Like, <laughs> that's the only time I get mad. Like... And it's awesome that you beat the game with Stave States. I don't have the time to sit there like I used to, but it's, it's different bragging rights, I guess. It's the only, it's my only yeah. thing with that. But it's that's a slippery slope to saying I beat the game by tazzing it, and it's like, yeah, that's you know, it's 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 not hard to beat the game at that point. What's hard is re-recording it 
a hundred thousand times. But yeah, it's, it's not tazzing isn't isn't a, a a show of gaming skill. And so, how how close do you want to go towards that? Yeah, it certainly is a show of, of tech skill and, and, you know, your love for the game and a, a different way to present a game. I absolutely love them and I think they're amazing. But if anybody ever said, I beat the game faster than you with the TAS, I'd think they were an asshole. <laughs> like, it's, exactly. it's two different it's things. Dumb. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a fan of all that stuff, though. I don't have the time that I would like to watch some of those videos on, on TAS runs and uh, even that channel Summoning Salt, which is such a great, like, documentary about speed runs. The videos are just too long sometimes, so I haven't kept up, but I'm a fan of all of that stuff, and none of that would be possible if it wasn't for emulation and the work that people have been putting in since the 90s on this stuff. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the the TAS stuff is amazing. The, the, they go to great lengths to reverse engineer the games and understand things, and that feeds back into the, the real speed running. I say real speed running. I mean, you know, real real system speed running. Hmm. Where people are are actually starting to learn these you know, frame accurate button press tricks to do you know level jump level skips and stuff in in Mario Kart, and it's like yeah that's a frame accurate button press and that's another frame accurate button press and people train themselves to do it and that's really awesome, and they wouldn't even know they could do those things without the the task guys learning how the engine works and learning how to trick it. It's really yeah. clever stuff. Yeah, I love all this stuff. I'm a huge nerd, so I, I appreciate the whole spectrum of it. Uh, so over the years, what do you think the projects that you've worked on, um, you know, around the on and around the website that stood out the most to you are? Do you have like special ones that um, that are always important to you? Do you just have giant projects where you're, you know you you want to talk about because you've been working on them forever? You know, what stands out? Uh I don't know. I mean, I I kind of. I just kind of fall into stuff here and there, just whatever's interesting. I think the the fantasy star one has just stayed with me for all this time because it's just, I don't know, I, I really love, it's, it's kind of weird to say, I really love the game, but I've never properly played the game. I just love the reverse engineering of the game. I love understanding the game and you know, the, the style of it and, you know, the, there's some really great interviews from the, the people who made it and that, that just that kind of small bunch of people in the in the mid 80s trying to make a completely awesome game and they did and it's just really that's really awesome really yeah it's just amazing so the, the fantasy star retranslation project i think is is a really great one for me um uh, i think what what else i mean i i i wish i had more time to spend on making games and demos and stuff i kind of th in my mind i think that's what i do but I've, i i rarely actually do it I, I kind of regret that i i don't get as much done on that I, t I tend to be doing stuff more now around software around the thing so um you know, hacking stuff working on translations working on, on editors it's and and a certain amount of just kind of reverse engineering trying to understand how things work trying to understand what are all the tricks people did and what are all the tricks that people still could still do with the game. Um, there's a project again, I didn't quite, I didn't exactly start the project, but I picked it up and migrated it to the master system, which was the, a, a program called PCM Inc that came from the world of MSX. It was this thing for playing 
samples in crazy high quality and i kind of had to figure out how on earth they were doing it for msx to migrate it to the sound chip on the master system which was kind of similar not quite the same and so i did a bit of work on that some years ago and basically on the master system you i mean it's the, the samples are famously bad on the master system you've got um a space harrier yeah and, <laughs> And it, and it's it's rough because what you have there is a one bit sample. If you if you knew that one bit samples was even a possible thing, it's it's terrible. Um, but we we the, what this like what we what you do by the tricks with this with the sound chip is the is to get something that is ordering on CD quality. It's not it's, it's still mono because it's a mono chip, but we can get sampling rates into 40 kilohertz plus the resolution. It's kind of wacky, but it's effectively kind of 13 ish bits of sample resolution. Uh, so yeah, really clear audio. And I, I learned my lesson because I got, I get, I managed to get content matched on YouTube for some of my, some of the stuff I was, I was testing it on. So yeah, it's got to be pretty good quality because the content match found it. Um, so that's, that's, that was a really awesome project and i did i did a, a little bit of a mini project a few years back where i went back to some games that had terrible samples space harrier being one of them went back to the arcade games and managed to extract some of the samples from those and then and then put the arcade samples back in the master system version so you can get get your quality back um it, the game still locks up to play samples because the master system has to do that you can't do miracles but that that was awesome i think that was that's something I, I wish I could do a bit more on, but uh, I kind of need to find games, games that are worth doing it for, that have good samples that I can make use of. Um, and of course, I, I suppose what that leads back to is that all the work that I've done over the years on the Master System sound chip, um, I did a bunch of reverse engineering work on that back in the early 2000s, and then and that was all part of building the VGM format, which is mm. this format for ripping video game music which i'm kind of out of that now uh, other people have taken it over and extended it to support hundreds of other systems but it's really awesome to play master system music yeah, it's it's and to be able to rip music and 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 listen to your favorite game soundtracks and one of the things that i always find awesome is if you do rip a game soundtrack you find all the unused music in there mm. um one uh, there was a not wasn't quite done while ripping the vgm but it was done as part of something else but the people found that there was actually original music in sonic one for the master system for marble zone it's the the, the genesis music ported to master system there is no marble zone in the game but the music is in there and to hear this this music that someone wrote in whenever 1989 playing and it's you know and and it's this this kind of creative work that's been lost for these years and then we just dig it out again it's awesome yeah i never knew that that's pretty cool now i'm going to have to go look up that soundtrack and uh and hear the sms version of it you know i was yeah, always I mean, really great. um Sorry, it's a you know Discord delay. Yeah. It's going to happen, but I, I was always really impressed with some of the FM sound games, and I was always kind of shocked that some games that 
um, you know, were mostly U.S. releases, still had support for them, even though the FM sound chip was never added in a U.S. console. There was never an expansion module for it. Um, there were so many soundtracks that I thought were great. There's obviously some incomplete ones, um, but uh, were there were there any of those that ever stood out to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, I, I got first. I'll just say that the reason for that is it's a kind of to do with the, the engine that Sega used for all of their games. Rather than having completely separate soundtracks for the two different sound chips, they would make one engine that supported both chips. And so they just kept using that engine. And to some extent, I guess the musicians took the care to do some decent instrument mapping on those to to get the, the thing to sound not terrible. But there's a, there's a few where it doesn't work very well. Um, but yeah, it's a, but because they were using the same engine, we kind of got FM for free, even though, again, no one no one ever heard it, apart from maybe some people in Japan who were playing imports, which is pretty unlikely. On, on the FM soundtrack side, um, the the soundtrack to Ease is just completely amazing on both chips. But the FM one is is really really good. I think they they really got a lot out of the, the FM chip. I mean, this is a really bad FM chip. It's like the the utter bargain basement cheap <laughs> keyboard sound chip. But you know, people. I mean, people with the, the the technical and musical skills, they can get amazing things out of it. And there's people making awesome stuff for it now. There's some new trackers that have come out very recently that support uh, the Master System sound chips. And yeah, people are doing great stuff with it. People are finding hacks, you know, changing the instrument selection on the, like, the third frame of the note and things like that to get amazing effects out of it. It's great stuff. So yeah, I'm, I would say Fantasy Star... FM soundtrack is also excellent. Um, uh, and Space Space Harrier, I would say if you do if you listen to only one bit of Master System music today, go listen to the Japanese Master System BIOS Space Harrier theme, which is the for for, for unfortunate technical reasons, it's the only soundtrack on the entire Master System software library outside of homebrew that is able to use two sound chips at the same time so you get this amazing kind of 10 channel arrangement of space harrier and it's it's just really good um what i'm a, one of the things that i really really appreciate is when you're looking at some soundtracks of games sometimes you've got a game and it's got this kind of really annoying like 20 second music loop and you're going you're you're going completely mad. And other times you've got a game where, for no reason at all, like the character selects screen has a five minute song, uh, and no one's ever hardly anyone ever listened to the whole five minute song, but it's there. And the musician wrote this stuff, and it's it's amazing. Micro Machines has a great character select song. You know, it's this screen you're on for three seconds, <laughs> and it it goes on for like three and a half minutes. With uh, it's, it's 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 really good, really cool. Um, but the, the so the Japanese BIOS this is the, the screen that would come up if you turned on a Japanese master system with no cartridge in it that just says hey turn it off put a cartridge in, then turn the power back on again and it plays you the Space Harrier theme the 3D thing going on on the screen in, and it's just a really awesome arrangement and it it I remember 
playing it on in the ripped VGM form where you could just make it play forever and listening to that for like two, three hours nonstop because it's just really awesome. It's just a great song. So that's not something that you could plug the Space Harrier game into an MK2000 and play to hear that? You would have to have the version of the BIOS that has it built in? Yeah, you've got to have a Japanese um, Japanese one's the MK2000, I think. Mm-hmm. You've got to turn it on with no cartridge, and that's what you get. Or you can just go watch it on YouTube. It's kind of easier. Yeah, that's, that's funny, because I, I had an MK2000 for such a long time, and then I sent it to Voltar to work on a project with me, and that was like seven years ago, and just like half the other projects he works on, it's in a box in his garage somewhere completely forgotten about. So <laughs> that's maybe why I don't quite remember off the top of my head. I loved my MK2000, though. It was... It was just so unique and weird to be able to play those games you know, with a 3D adapter built in, the rapid fire. You know, it just, I, I think that's yeah. my favorite version. Yeah, apart from the fact that none of your cartridges fit, it's it's the ultimate master system. Got everything in. Yeah, I ended up buying, I think it was Omar's adapter um, that goes in the back. Mm-hmm. There's also one on AliExpress that was pretty good, believe it or not. I think the Sonic adapter or something they called it, where you could plug it into the top. And I had a couple of friends working on, you know, much more streamlined versions of that, you know, with 3D printed cases. I actually had a follow up. I wonder what happened with all of those. But yeah, I do wish that it had the same cartridge slot just for the look of it. But everything else, I just, I, I don't know why. I just thought that was cool as hell. Yeah, I, I, I think that. Someone somewhere could, it would be sacrilegious, you could mod an MK2000 to have two cartridge slots next to each other. And that, that would just get you everything you needed, you know, all in one system. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was... Uh, still no pause button on the controller. Yeah. Yeah. That does always kind of drive me crazy. But it's funny to, to see the pictures of of kids in the 80s playing video games. It's always the same thing. It's always they're sitting three feet away from a little, you know, 10-inch TV and the console's right in front of them, especially in Japan. So having the pause button on the console usually back then meant that you just had to lean forward to hit pause. And then as TVs got bigger and people sit farther back, it's kind of ridiculous to think, why would you have a pause button on the console? But I guess it made sense for the time. Yeah, um... It kind of made sense, kind of doesn't make sense. But yeah, I mean, you think back to some of the early consoles, like the early Famicom with the, the wired controllers. Mm. Yeah, there was, there was no way you, you, had, you had to kind of either have the really small Japanese house or have it in, kind of in the middle of the floor with wires running to the TV because you know, it, 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 it just wouldn't work that way. And these days we've got our wireless controllers, we're sitting way back across the room and, and we and we forget about it but it, it it was fine it was good it was it was it made a lot of sense in those days um to yeah it's fine and you'd, you'd, you'd just be changing cartridges and stuff anyway these days you, you don't you don't even need to touch your console you just have it hidden away yeah um what console did you have growing up which revision and uh and what are your favorites um I had the Master System 2, mm. um, PAL version, of course. So really, really squashed video and slow and everything. It's you know, it's 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 authentic. <laughs> Played over play, uh, only only RF output. So yeah, those are the days. Um, 
and it took me a long time to come around to the original master system styling but i think the, the original master system styling is just really it's just really cool in its own way and nothing there's not really it doesn't look like any other console really and that's that's really cool the, the master system 2 it was more it was it was more sleek it was more 90s it's kind of got a uh, sort of a mini PlayStation kind of a kind of feel to the rounded corners and stuff, but it was all it was it was all just air inside. It was <laughs> it was all just for show. Um, but the, the original Master System with the the angular stuff and the glossy black and red, it's it's really cool. It's it's it it's come back around to be the I think one of the best looking consoles there is. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I... For me, nostalgia plays into what the console looks like, you know, the the feeling of of clicking the game into it, you know, uh, sliding the silly Sega 3D adapter into the the card slot in the front, like, that stuff's nostalgia for me, and I love looking at it, and I love seeing it, but respectfully, once you hit power and start the game, nostalgia is out the window for me. If the game stinks, the game stinks. If it's good, it's good, and I don't really care what console it's on, what year it was released, but I do the look and the feel of it is definitely a thing that's always important to me. And I do like the SMS too. And there's some cool things you could do for it, but I just love the look of that weird wide, you know, pointy looking SMS. And it's just, it's such a neat thing. Um, With, with an SMS too. So you weren't able to play any Sega card games. Um, Were there, were there even many released in Europe? Cause I don't really know much about that. Um, I guess so. Um, I mean, I, I I probably know more about it now than I did at the time. But the cards were released. There was there was a lot of stuff released early on in Europe, but in a very kind of patchy, badly documented way. Um, and yeah, the cards the cards came out. The there were various plans for the what they were going to do with the cards, but they were ultimately. Um, limited to 32k of storage on the cards and that that was the wrong direction to go for for storage um there's some of the technicalities of the master system is that it actually has built-in support for games as small as 8k which never got released but it it, it has code in the bios to, to to recognize them um sega i think were had an idea that games were going to stay really small which didn't pan out, and and, the, and thus they built the card dumbly restricted. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, by the time I got into it, cards were dead. No, they they were gone. But it, it's interesting how the cards kind of came around again later. Uh, it, ultimately, the technology now, which gets you a Switch game on a little kind of SD-looking thing, is the same as what's on the card. It's just a chip. Mm. isn't uh, a dip plastic package um and yeah we, we could have totally had cards for every systems up to the uh, up to the end of cartridges if it hadn't been for the the desire to make them kind of big and chunky and feel like they're they're more valuable but yeah it, it's it's a it's a great technology and i guess it's kind of gone full circle now that you get your tiny switch cards yeah you know i i've been trying to collect 
any of the cards when I find them complete in box. Just even though the games aren't always ones I would want to play, I just think it's such a neat and unique thing. I mean, to have a single console, not add-ons, not things you plug into it, just one single console that could take two forms of of medium. Uh, you know, I I thought that was pretty unique and and something that was fun to collect. Uh, you know, I guess also too wasn't around the time that decision was made. Uh, wasn't there a chip shortage or, or some reason that they would want to push away from cartridges, at least temporarily? So wasn't it also kind of a money business decision as well? Uh, I don't know if that, I don't know how much there is. I don't know. To be honest, I don't know if there's a chip shortage at all, but I think maybe there was something in that that's similar to why Nintendo didn't put any video memory in the Nintendo, in the, nintendo entertainment system because it was they just felt it wasn't the right thing to do um i think i think the 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 early marketing it was trying to position the the smaller card card yeah the cards as a kind of the budget option so it was smaller because it was it was cheaper because it was smaller um and you know lower manufacturing costs i don't think to be to be honest i doubt there's much in it Mm. it's like yeah, you know, the manufacturing costs were probably negligible difference between the two, but I think it was a, a kind of a marketing thing to have the two forms there and have like the budget line and the full price line, which is an interesting approach to take. And you saw that on some later systems where you'd have like the games that were just released at a cheaper price, but weren't as good or were a bit more kind of you know, unpolished. Mm. And it, it's it. It makes sense, and I guess these days you've got your downloadable, cheaper games which fill that slot. Yeah, tons of shovelware existing today. So, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe there's some gems in there, but you've, it'll take you a while to find them. Mm. So you mentioned growing up that you played via RF, obviously on CRTs because it's all we had back then. But when you do sit down to play an SMS game today. Do you have a favorite way to play it? You know, do you just play whatever way is in front of you? Uh, well, I mean, I unfortunately I'm not big into hardware collecting. I've got a couple of master systems. I've got a, I don't know, ten or twenty games, but I don't get to play on the TV very often. I've not, I haven't tried on my current TV, but I imagine it would look pretty terrible. Um, so I tend to be doing stuff on emulation these days. Um, one thing that that I find works quite uh, has worked well for me is actually playing emulated Master System on the Wii, which can do a 240p output, mm. and then you can try and do the best you can with the, the, that digital 240p that you've got with Genesis Plus GX, which is a pretty good emulator, mm. um, and Particularly if you then, I haven't recently had a chance to do that, get that onto a CRT, and it's pretty much indistinguishable because of the you know 240p signal with your master system screen on it. It's 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 a it's a good compromise for getting a a slightly better signal than a than RF. I'll have to I'll have to see about getting you a Mister. Because that's um you know if you're 
if you want something that you could use on pretty much any display, it can go as low as S-Video with a converter, but it doesn't really do composite or, or RF, but it still, that covers you, and uh, I've just had great experience with that. For me personally, like, so for a lot of the SMS hardware, I would say most of it, in fact, will always have some kind of interference. So you could do an RGB bypass, you could do a whole bunch of other crazy stuff, but it's still not going to be crystal clear. And if you're playing on a CRT, it doesn't really matter. But if you're playing on a flat panel, you could really start to notice. So my favorite's just original hardware on a big consumer grade CRT. If it's got component input, cool. If it's got S video, I could use a converter for that. But even just composite, that's definitely been my favorite way to experience those. But with the mystery, you just don't even have to think about it. You know, you just load up your ROM. If you want it on a 4K TV, set it to 1080p 5X. It looks gorgeous. You know, if you have it on a CRT, plug it in with component RGB or S video and you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, I it, it sounds awesome. And yeah, I wish I had more time to play. Yeah. Yeah, that pretty much... It pretty much puts a lot of us, uh, or that that statement hits home for a lot of us, especially adults. When you know you just when you're a kid, you get home from school, and there's so many limited things that you could actually do. And then when you're an adult, it's there's so many things you have to do, and then <laughs> you don't have time for some of the other stuff. Yeah. So, do you have any future plans for um for any projects you're working on? Anything for SMS Power? Anything that you know, that you'd want to talk about? Uh, not not much, really. I mean, I, I, I'm a big believer in doing stuff in the open, so I put I, I open source stuff and, and put it out there. Um, I'm starting to think about trying to organize something for our annual competitions, because we always have competitions. They, they always end on March the 27th, because that's the site anniversary. Um, and so every year we have coding competitions, music, and sometimes some other competitions thrown in. And people create awesome stuff and release it. And I I, I, sh- I wish I could... Maybe I... Uh, I was about to say, maybe I can find some time. I'm totally not going to have any time next year. <laughs> but um, if I could find some time and I could put a game together, because it's been a while since I made a game that that was playable. And... Do something really fun and interesting on the mass system. I think it's it's great. One of the things I love doing is is bringing new genres on. So I've I've got a kind of an idea in the back of my mind about making a good mass system tower defense game, for example. Because hmm. none exists, and so you you can I can totally make the best tower defense game on mass system. <laughs> um, uh, I, I I'd like to do a bit more work. I did a. a Dance Dance Revolution games years and years ago. I'd like to, I, I would love to be able to improve that a bit and turn it into a more more of a full game than a demo because that's that's totally the wrong genre to do on Master System. It's brilliant. Um, I, I guess I need more musicians to help me port the tracks for that. Um, yeah, I, I I wish I wish I had some other big projects in the pipeline. Um, but yeah. Um, at the moment, I'm just kind of suck, getting sucked into the Sonic editor, and that's it's going pretty well. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping I can get that into a good state. Maybe start bringing in some good hacks for that, so we can extend the game, do more levels, 
maybe we can do do start doing some backports of some of the later games into it. That would be really good. That all sounds very awesome. Um, where where could people find you the easiest? I'm assuming the best place to find you is just right on smspower.com, right? Or smspower.org. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm always in the forums deleting spam. Um, <laughs> I, I hang around on on the Discord, which is linked from the forums, and yeah, always always happy to talk to people about masters and stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It was great to finally meet you after all these years of, of going back and forth. And uh, yeah, I just I, I really appreciate you taking the time, and I hope other people finally get to to meet you, you know, virtually like this as well. Yeah, and yeah, it's been a pleasure, and it's great seeing you. Thanks very much. So uh, hang on after this because I do have a couple questions for you. But thanks to everybody yeah. who listened. I will put links to everything, the Discord, SMS Power, and uh, the translations and a bunch of the other stuff we talked about down below. So thank you all very much, and we'll see you next time.